Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. So this morning we're talking about freedom. And not just freedom that comes from laws and statutes or the Constitution. Not that kind of freedom. You see, Americans, we have a lot of freedom. But yet sometimes we need to understand the greatest freedom is what God wishes in our hearts. We've been looking here in the book of Romans about this idea of how we're free to seek Christ, to live for Him, to know Him. At the, the close of Romans chapter 7 last week, we really delved into this idea that we are belonged to God. We are cherished by God. We are His people. We are loved beyond what we could ever deserve. The importance of our hearts being changed by the knowledge that though we're sinners, though we don't do the things we ought to do, the things we even long to do or want to do, that we are truly loved and held in God's hands. What does that mean for our hearts in our perspective? That we live from that victory of knowing we are accepted, that we belong to Jesus, that we don't need to seek our own victory. We have victory over all sin, all death, all darkness in our world and our lives in Jesus Christ, not because of who we are, as we've learned, we don't stand in our own perfection and that, that first Adam, that law of perfect obedience, because none of us are perfect, but yet we stand in the shadow of the cross in Christ Jesus' sacrifice for us. And so the important thing we're going to talk about today as we go into Romans chapter 8, there is nothing that you and I can do, nothing we can do. There's also nothing we can fail to do or abstain from doing that will cause Jesus Christ, that will cause God the Father, that will cause the Holy Spirit that dwells within you as your believer, that will cause God to love you any more, nor love you any less. That's what we're going to talk about today. And that knowledge will lead us to an understanding of what true freedom in our hearts is all about. So let's open up to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look here at the beginning of it. We're going to continue in Romans chapter 8 for a few weeks. We're going to talk through it. We're going to really discuss this idea of what it means that we belong to God, that we're held by God. Through Jesus Christ, we have a new relationship, a new connection, and we cannot get away from that. So let's take a look here. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. 
if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. We've been talking about this idea from God's Word. All the way back since Romans chapter 3 that nothing, nothing can take us away from Jesus Christ though we are sinners we are not saved in our own righteousness and our own abilities, but we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about us. Romans 3, 21 and 22, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, We've looked at this, the Roman church, it doesn't matter if you were a Jewish person who came to faith or if you were just someone outside, a Gentile, someone who was not of the Jewish lineage, or if you were someone that was a pagan all the way over here and you didn't even live in any way. In fact, you live completely opposed to what God's words always said. For all those people, none of them are saved in their righteousness because none of them are perfect. And as much as we try to play that comparison game and look at each other and tell each other, well, no, no, I'm, I'm really better than this person, at least, well, at least I'm not like them. God says, no, 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 none of this is what matters. You're not saved because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. And not only because of what he has given us by his grace, but what he has taken upon himself for us by paying the penalty for our sin. And this week we're going to get the scope, we're going to get the big picture of what that means for us. What God is telling us in Romans chapter 8, because we're going to spend a few weeks, as I said, learning what it means that we belong to God through Jesus Christ. It's not about what we've done. We have no leverage. We have no legs to stand on spiritually, relationally, or morally. Yet, while we were still sinners, as we've learned, Christ came and paid the penalty for our sins. He took it upon himself. It's funny, yesterday I was at Liberty University for the convocation, for their graduation ceremonies. The last couple days, Mandy and I were down there uh, because our soon-to-be, this is crazy to say, soon-to-be daughter-in-law, Becca Moore, graduated from Liberty early because my son had to marry up because he learned from his dad that's the way to do it. <laughs> hey, I know, I know what it's about. I raise up a child in the way he ought to go, right? He did, and, and she's, she's a, a beautiful girl, and you know, mind, body, spirit, we love her. She's a wonderful young woman of God, and they had graduation with thousands upon thousands of people there, and the verse that they always talk about at Liberty is 2 Corinthians 3.17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. And we're going to talk today, fittingly, about what that means for us to have that freedom of knowing we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That Jesus loves us beyond what we could ever deserve, despite, as Paul talked about last week, no matter how much of a hot mess you feel like, God loves you all the same. Not because of what you've done or what you failed to do or what you wish you could take back, but because when God looks at us, he sees what Christ has done. That's what he sees. That's what matters. And he loves us 
because he loves his son. And he loves us, and that's why he sent his one and only son. Mom may have taught you John 3.16. You may know that. It's important that we understand not only that we have this peace and this hope and this freedom to belong to God now, but we have hope beyond for what is yet to come. Because of what Jesus has done, we have a future that is assured in Christ. We'll see that later in Romans chapter 8. But because of our standing in Jesus Christ, because of that, we will never, ever be separated from God. If Christ dwells within you, if His Spirit belongs to you, your present is secured despite how you mess it up, and so is your future. So what does that mean for us? What is Paul telling us here in Romans chapter 8? He's telling us what real love, what real acceptance despite ourselves looks like. And for me, this is easy because no one ever loved me as a little person like my mom. I had great grandparents that were amazing. I had friends, teachers, people in my church that loved me. But my mom, no matter what I did, my mom loved me. My dad did too. My dad worked a lot till I was about 13. I didn't see him a whole lot, not because he didn't love me. He just worked all the time. He had multiple things going. He worked often through the weekend. So my mom had to do a lot. And so some of you that are single parents, I understand how that feels, or just because one of you is really busy. It's, it's just how it is sometimes. I get it. It's not what you intend. But my mom, no matter what happened, I would get hurt because I climbed something, like a tree that was like 60 feet tall and fell out of it and bounced off everything. On the, if you ever wondered why I'm the way I am, this will all make sense. Bounced off all the branches on my way down, or I jumped from building to building in my house. Don't ask about this. I jumped from building to building where we lived. And if you have boys, you understand, right? I grew up in the era of Evil Knievel and the Dukes of Hazard and the Fall Guy and all these TV shows where it was like, what stupid thing can I do today? Saturday morning, I'd wake up and watch cartoons after seeing crazy stuff on TV Friday night, and I was geared up on my big wheel for war, man. So I'd get hurt on my Evil Knievel stunt cycle. You know, we used to put spin-out levers on big wheels so you could pinwheel more effectively to your death. Kids have it so easy now, man. We used to have crazy stuff. And I remember I'd come in with my legs all skinned up. I was a skateboarder. I did all kinds of climb stuff, whatever. And my mom had like this entire shelf full of Bactine, which is like flesh-eating napalm, basically. I don't know what. They're like, it says no sting on it, but what a lie that was. Because it had that little stream that was like a miniature mom squeeze powered pressure washer. You guys know what I'm, do you guys remember Bactine? Right, and so and if you were really hurt, mom or dad take you out and just hose the gravel out of your wounds or whatever with the, with the stream on the hose. And you kind of crawl in the house, a bloody mess, and your mom would just look at you and go, what have you done? What have you done? My mom did that all the time. And it always start with some terrible excuse like, I didn't mean to. When she's like, well, you didn't fall out of the tree on purpose, that's good. But you still fell. <laughs> and I'd crawl in and I didn't have two legs to stand on, usually because I'd injured them. <laughs> Luckily, my mom had red carpet most of my life, so it was okay. <laughs> but you see, it's fitting we look at this passage on Mother's Day. Because that's how moms are. Moms embody that love of Christ for us that in our own brokenness, as Paul's been telling us in Romans chapter 7, I don't have anything to stand on. I don't. I, I'm a broken, bloody, hot mess because of myself, the choices I've made. 
What has happened because of them? I don't know what to do. God, I'm coming before you. Here's all I've got. It's a mess. Have you ever felt like that when you've gone before the Lord? I think we all have. I have. You come up to God and you say, I've got nothing to stand on. I don't even know if I can get my life back together. Spiritually, there's not enough Bactine or Neosporin or whatever to put my life back together. Yet, God loves us just the same like your mom. He loves you just the same. No matter how much of an absolute failure you look like, what God wants us to see is that we have no condemnation. If we stand not in our own righteousness, not in our own mistakes, our own hurts, but in the grace of God given to us at the cross of Calvary by Jesus Christ. And he starts out this passage, and that's the wrong thing up there on the screen. It's to be Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans 8, 1 there. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from sin and death and darkness in Christ Jesus and from the law of sin and death. We know God's word is good. We've learned about that. It shows us where the danger is. It shows us when we're missing the mark when we sin. But what Paul wants to say is even when you know and you screw it up, when you know if you climb up in a tree and look down, guess what? There's danger. When you know that what you say and what you do and you think, why did I do that? Like we talked about in Romans 7 last week. When you know, I don't know why, but I did it. There's no condemnation. How do we know that? We're going to look here real quick in the New Testament, the Old Greek language, Koine Greek. The New Testament is written in a very specific language. People always say, how do pastors and scholars know what the Bible says? The Greek language is incredibly specific. And when I see people misquote God's word, it's some cruddy English paraphrase, not like a translation, just their idea of what the Bible says. This is why studying God's word is so important. If it's God's word, he made it say what he wanted to say. It's exactly what we need. It's our instruction for faith and life to lead us into good stuff. And this word there, where it says, there is therefore now no. That's one word in Greek. Huden. See that word up there? You can impress. If you like go to community Bible study, you can knock your teacher's socks off this week, whoever you are. Look at this. Huden. That word in Greek means no, never, no longer, impossible. And that's so hard for us to put. There's so many different tenses for past, future, perfect, present, all these different things. There's different versions of all of that. English has a couple. They have like four times that many in Greek. Why does that matter? Because we know exactly what that word means. What that word means. There is therefore, now, no. Who den? That word there is for a reason. All the condemnation, all the shame, all the suffering is wiped away in Jesus Christ. That's what that word means. That word there means no longer, no more, never. When Satan says to you, when he says to you, you know, you're mine. You're not going to ever get away from this. What you're thinking, what you're doing, what you're struggling with. The devil loves to tell us, you know what? This is never going to get any better. God's answer to it is, you may struggle, you may battle, and as we learned last week, that's a good thing, but God says 
There is no way from this time forward, once you belong to Jesus Christ, once he has your heart, once his spirit dwells within you, there is no longer condemnation. From that point forward to all eternity, you are his. So if you want to think about it in a very deep theological way, that word quite simply means nope. <laughs> Moms are good at this word. Curiously, here on Mother's Day, deep and powerfully, and maybe your mom, if she's still around, tells you that to this day. If your mom has gone to be with Jesus like mine, you still hear it when you're going to do something. You're about to do something stupid, and you hear your mother say, don't be an idiot. That was my mom's favorite phrase for me. It wasn't, sweetheart, she was, don't be an idiot. You know why my mom told me that? Because often I was an idiot. I would do things, she'd be like, why would you think that was going to work out? And I'd say, I don't know. I have no good reason. How'd it work out? I got hurt. Are you going to do it again? No, but I did. God's saying that if you mess up and if you don't get it right, just like mom would say, here's how it is. This is the way it is. But you may be thinking in your heart, but God, you don't know it. God says, nope. But, you know, pastor, you don't understand what I've, nope. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that sin is not real. It doesn't mean that we're not called to repent, to turn away, and to get as far away from that. It doesn't mean that we're, if sin's over there, we're supposed to come over here. Yeah, we're supposed to do that for sure. But in God's heart, he wants you to know that while you're in the midst of messing it all up, he doesn't just see you, he sees Jesus Christ, and he loves you. He loves you, just like how mom loves you when you come in a bloody, broken mess, and she says, it's okay, come here. There's no condemnation. How can I say that? How can I say that with such assurance from God's word? Because that sounds too good to be true. It sounds so hard for us to buy. But if we look here in God's word, the idea of this word condemnation, katakrina is the other word there, condemnation. Klinios, klin, that, that's the doom, destruction, certain doom. For example, when Pastor Bob was little and he'd ride his skateboard down the hill without putting on the brakes, he faced certain doom. Boys do this stuff, right? When you make certain decisions, there is going to be a cost for it. It's going to hurt. Kata, the word, this idea, with or without, this idea, without doom. There's no more condemnation. That word has to do with the idea of a sentence being passed, like a legal condemnation. You have been condemned. But it's more than that. That word means the same then as it does for us in our world today. The idea of something being condemned. We always think of it personally, like we condemn someone to death or something like that. We think of it that way. But what is another use of the word condemned? How about a building? How about a building being condemned? What happens when someone comes in, they inspect the strength and the fortitude of a building, whether it's put together, and sometimes they say, this place is not safe for habitation. Someone cannot live here anymore, so the building is then condemned, right? We've all heard of that happening. It's inspected, and then it's condemned. It's not safe. This idea, as we're going to see farther in Romans chapter 8, is the idea of like us being a dwelling place for God's spirits. 
If God's Spirit dwells within you, if God's Spirit is habitating within you, you're not condemned. You're fit for occupancy. God is with you. God's Spirit living within you reminds you that there is no condemnation. God's Spirit. Paul wants us to know that without God's grace, without God's presence, we're like a house that's worthy to be condemned. We got leaky plumbing. We got a roof like mine that water comes in when it rains like it's been raining. It's condemned. But when God's Spirit comes in, what God's saying is, no, I'm going to fix this house up. Beyond any fixer-upper, HGTV kind of a thing, beyond anything that mom might watch on TV like that or whatever, you're going to find that God is going to change your life. That God says, no, you're fit. You belong. Even though you're a hot mess, even though you don't do what you want to do, you belong to me. You belong to me. The problem isn't that God accepts us. The problem isn't God accepts us. The problem is that we don't think we're worth being accepted. We don't think that God's grace is big enough for us. But if God is the master inspector, if God's the one that decides where his spirit dwells, if God's the one that gives you grace, where like we learned about last week, if Paul says, no, the things I don't want to do, I keep doing that. If God's spirit dwells within you, you belong to him already. You do. You belong to him. And that should make a big difference. One of my mentors, he was helping us move stuff out of my mom's house. We're getting ready to sell my mom's house. It's kind of funny because I got houses and moms and all this stuff going on. And so we were getting things out of there to get ready for the house to be sold this week. That's a house I grew up in. Lots of memories. Some of you have done that. It's hard. But one of my friends, he's my, one of my mentors, he was one of my coaches for sports, he was telling me a story where he gets a phone call that he needs to come immediately because the police have a house around and there's a woman that has her husband at knife point. And he's thinking, me? What do you want me? I'm just a pastor. So he went and they said, this woman met you. And he said, yeah, I talked to her once for like 20 minutes. They said, well, you've got to get her to put the knife down. So he went in and he said, why are you upset? And she said, well, it's Mother's Day. He said, you're right, it is Mother's Day. My husband gave me a card that said, Happy Mother's Day. And he said, that, that's good, I think. And she said, but then he told me he can't spend Mother's Day with me because he has to spend it with his uh, girlfriend. That's bad. Might have been birthday or Mother's Day, I remember. He gave her a card that went off with his girlfriend. So what'd she do? She got, she, she was fixing to get mad, as they say down south. She was upset. So he convinced her to put down the knife and to come with him for the police, and that was okay. Then he went out and found the husband, waiting outside. And he read the husband the riot, as pastors sometimes get to do. And there was a lady standing next to him, and little did my friend, the pastor, my mentor, know that that was his mom. So as he began explaining to the husband vigorously what he had done and how wrong it was, mom had a purse that only moms have. 
I, I don't know what I would say is in this purse. I, I'm sure mom could live out of it for a minimum of 72 hours. See, moms are preppers without even knowing it. They're ready for all disaster, right? She took that purse and beat the snot out of that guy. And the pastor backed away and looked at the police. And I know some of these police in this town near where I grew up. And they shrugged their shoulders and they said, give her a minute. And then we'll go and rescue them. Sometimes sin hits us over the head. Not because God is condemning us, but because we don't know the difference between condemnation and consequences. When God's word says there's no condemnation, that God's going to welcome you, that he's always going to accept you, that no matter what you do, no matter what you don't do, you're loved, you're not condemned, that does not mean that your sin does not have consequences. Our sinfulness is death, it's destruction. In Christ, Romans 8.10, the body is dead because of sin, but yet the spirit, that other nature, is life because of righteousness. But that's not our righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness. So that conflict we've been studying, we've been learning about, that idea, there is no condemnation in Christ, but our sins still have consequences. If you commit adultery, you might lose your marriage. If you steal at work, you might get fired, or you might be fined, or even go to jail. But even when you've done things that mom, you don't want mom to know about, because she's going to take that purse and she's going to hit you with it, even then, God loves you and accepts you. God loves you and accepts you. And that's hard for us. It's hard for us because we don't understand what that looks like. We don't operate that way. We don't operate without condemnation. We don't, we don't get that. We don't know how to handle that. Because it's about our hearts. It's about finding true freedom. And people get kind of squirmy when I talk about this because we want our sin to be condemned, but we don't want other people's sin to be... We don't want to condemn us for ourselves, but sometimes we want it for other people. But that's not the way Jesus works. When Jesus changes hearts, he changes hearts. All the way back in the 400s, Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, put it this way. He said, love God and... Do what you please. In Christ there is real freedom. You can love and do. But he says right after that, but what pleases you as a child of God? What in your heart do you know God would want you to do? When you're a kid and you want to do something nice to your mom, maybe you'd go pick her dandelions. She didn't have the heart to tell you they were weeds. You'd run them into her. Right? When you seek to love God, when you seek to serve God, when you seek to belong to Him, when you know that you're not righteous, when you know that you need Him, when you know you belong to Him, you recognize that not only are you not condemned, but all those that Christ can rescue, He can save them too. Sometimes the most terrible people can be on death row, and when Christ gets a hold of their lives, they're completely different. And for us as Christians, we have to understand that if God's grace is big enough to change our lives, it's big enough to change someone else's life as well. Living in Christ, finding that victory, not in ourselves, but in Him. Finding that freedom 
It calls us to change our lives, to turn away from our sins, to repent. It requires it of us. We have to do that. And even in our failure, it inspires us. We don't want to keep sinning. That's what we learned about last week. You may say, I still sin all the time, but you're struggling with it. That's good. God's spirits enliven you. And though sin has consequences, it's not that God is not loving you. God is directing you. God is guiding you. Maybe you won't face all the consequences for your sin. Maybe that won't happen. But sometimes, even when you face all the consequences from what you've done, God's grace is so big, he'll even use those to change your life. He'll use those to shape your soul. That you would belong more completely to him. That he can use those to not only shape your life, but to bless someone else. Sometimes the most painful things from the gospel... The most painful consequences that you face will not only guide and strengthen you, but they will bless other people. So today, we are free to love and to serve God. And even in our brokenness, God will bring something good of it. How can I promise you this? So I said I went down to Liberty University. Manny and I drove down there. We drove a 22-foot truck down there. There's a lot of construction on 77, y'all. I'm not doing that again. But we took a lot, of some, a lot of the things my mom had. This is what she had requested we do. We took them to the Union Mission in Charleston, West Virginia. And I love our church because we've given jackets to the Union Mission. We've collected coats, and, and they're so blessed by that. And so when I pulled up with that big truck and put on the air brakes, those people came out of the thrift store. And I've sorted in that thrift store on missions trips multiple times. And these people came out and saw the truck and did this. Because they knew what was going to be in there. I started talking to one of the guys there, and I said, this place, it's a place where a lot of hard things happen, where people battle addiction, where people are delivered from sin, where people have to face the earthly consequences of things they're ashamed of, that they wished maybe their moms never knew about. But this is a place of grace and hope, because what the cross is is a place where you have freedom, where God's spirit, where Christ will dwell within you, that you can belong to him. How do I know that? How do I know that God can even use those consequences to bless you and to bless others, that he can transform lives, that he can pull people away from sin, that true freedom comes from that? Because many of you know, the Union Mission is where my mom was adopted from. And this is the flower sack dress my mom was adopted in. That someone sewed. And when she came home from the mission, all she had was one little dress someone had made, with the top, sweater, some little shoes that they have, and one toy. And my grandparents went there and adopted her. And they gave her a new life and a new name. Geraldine Adams became Marsha Miller, who became my mom, Marsha Miller Stanley, who has a heritage of not only loving me and my sister, but my kids in a blessing and serving other people. Maybe your mom was a great Christ-like example. Mine was. Maybe your mom was rough. But in Jesus Christ, we know what moms represent. God's relentless love and grace and acceptance. The freedom we have to love and to serve other people, even in our brokenness. The chance to be adopted into the family of God, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, that when God's Spirit gets a hold of our lives, 
we can be transformed, have a new life, a new name, a name that's written in the Lamb's book of life as we learn in the book of Revelation that we would belong to him. So today on Mother's Day, friends, the question is simply this. Does Christ dwell in you? Does Christ dwell in you? Does he dwell in you? Does he belong to you? Do you belong to him? Have you held on to him with both hands and said, God, I need you. I can't stand on my own. Maybe you're walking in like I did when I was little. Maybe you're bloody and broken today and nobody sees it. It's all on the inside. There is room for you at the cross today. That God's spirit would dwell within you. That you could belong to him and have a new life, a new name, in a new future. Let's pray. God, that in all things you would have more of us, that we would belong more completely. That we would belong completely to you. That we would find out what it means to belong to you. Just as Paul says to the church in Rome, it's not about what you think makes you righteous. It's not about what you think makes you perfect. But God, that we would know what it means to be transformed. As we come to your table this morning, that we would know, God, what it means to have wholeness, that we would have your grace and your spirit dwelling within us. God, take all of us. God, transform us. As we prepare to confess our sins before you, that we would know that in you we have no condemnation, that we have no judgment if we would just give our whole selves to you, that you would take us, that you would transform us and make us your very own people. God, that that be the cry of our heart, that we would be nourished as we come to your table this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, this is the...